Hey ladies, this is Keisha Nate. Now it's time to get real. Hey fam, in case you haven't noticed, I'm developing a bit of a habit of telling you all of my business, but today's episode is no different. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I strongly believe that my testimony of triumphs and struggles belong to the body of Christ. We've been given our experiences not to keep them to ourselves, but to share them. Our experiences and our testimonies help others to know that they're not walking alone, that someone else sees them and has possibly walked a similar journey. It's encouraging to know that your experiences are not an anomaly, that someone else could possibly know your pain, even if they don't share the same degree of pain or understand your level of stuckness. Okay, FYI. I make up words, and just in case you haven't noticed, I'm pretty country, and I don't pronounce words correctly all the time, as one of my dear sisters pointed out as she was listening to the podcast. But you know what? Jesus loves me and all my country, and that is good for me. So let's get real. Have you ever thought or felt that the place that you are in in life is not where you're supposed to be? Like you should be doing something greater. Like you should be something more. Like you should be further along in your journey. Somehow you took a detour that never led back to the main road. What happens when the life that you're currently living feels a lot like God's plan B? Like somehow you didn't measure up enough to complete plan A. So plan B was his consolation prize. Honestly, that was a very real struggle I was having recently. In the last episode, I shared how unwinding my identity from the accounting profession included me no longer having my dream job. But let me tell you about that courtship that landed that job. And just in case you missed it, this was my plan A. As a freshman in college, I started to connect with some of the professionals from this specific firm. I determined pretty quickly that this was where I was going to start and end my career. I decided I am going to reach the highest level there, which was to make partner. So as a college student, I put myself on an extracurricular path that made me more attractive to them, specifically becoming more active in the accounting club. Yes, that was the name. The accountants had a club. Praise the Lord for my successor because she changed the name of the organization. Thank you. But during my time in the accounting club, I would help organize the annual banquet and I would later serve as the president. But this firm, this firm was romancing me, y'all. I would get care packages with all kind of yummy foods. And y'all know care packages are a big deal for college students. And my love language is food. We were absolutely on sure footing. I would get calls from HR just to check on me. Listen, we were a match made in heaven. So I interned with this firm after my senior year and I walked away with the full-time offer with another year of school to go. I was going to be a financial statement auditor for the public accounting firm of my dreams, winning. So once I started the job, it was great. It was challenging. I was able to see how various industries work from an accounting perspective. I learned how to read financial statements better. Numbers always tell the heart of a company. This job allowed me to geek out and I loved every minute of it. I had some great mentors who exposed me to the arts, to other professional organizations and who provided timeless tips on how to navigate the corporate world. 
but I was very guarded. I didn't trust people. And so I didn't invest deeply in those relationships. My core belief was when I left a company, I left the people. That was definitely a big regret for me. Another reason this job was great, and I put great in quotation marks, was because it allowed me to distract myself with work. There was always something to do, and I made sure I was knee-deep in whatever that something was, as long as it kept me away from home. As an aside, I was married at the time, and the marriage was rocky from the beginning. So since I couldn't find peace at home, I found peace at work. So imagine how devastated I was when after four years of working there, I felt a tug to leave. Insert detour one. I ended up working at a company where I would backfill for open accounting positions. I spent more time waiting to be placed on the job than actually working. But in that time, I started to grow in my relationship with the Lord. So the downtime was welcome. I was beginning to teach Bible study classes at my church and I was really excited about it. So the downtime was absolutely a blessing. And then the company closed the satellite office where I had worked for two and a half years and laid off all the staff. Detour two, unemployment. During this period, I was so deep in God's word. Honestly, I wasn't trying to be. I just didn't have money to go anywhere. So I spent time with the Lord for free. I was teaching classes at my church and it was really awesome. So there's a funny story that happened during this time. In all of my Bible reading, because, you know, it was free, I came across 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that talks about the rapture. It talks about how the Lord will descend from heaven with the shout and the voice of an archangel and a trumpet and believers will be caught up in the air. Okay, hold that story in your mind. You need to know I love a good nap. And unemployment allowed me to exercise my napping muscles in a way that pleased my soul greatly. If napping was an Olympic event, baby, here's your gold medalist. The champ is here. So what I wasn't aware of was in my county around noon once a week, they would test tornado sirens. So I was in the middle of this great nap and I heard this loud noise. Y'all, I thought I missed the rapture. I was big, mad and confused simultaneously. Legit, I was shook for a while. Well, um, I guess I couldn't stay unemployed forever, right? Insert detour three. I found a job working at a faith-based nonprofit. What a polar opposite environment from the corporate arena that I'd come from. We started work every Monday morning with a devotional in our staff meeting, and it would stir something in me that would light my fire for the rest of the day. Now, I was definitely underemployed, but I really enjoyed the flexibility of my schedule. Now, this is the point when I heard that I needed to abandon my vocation for my calling. And guess what? Here comes Detour 4, Seminary. So are you keeping up? We are four detours away from my perfect plan A. With Detour 4 <laughs> comes a strong sense that we are now on plan B. We are so far from the dream I planned as a college kid that there's no way this could be the same plan. We have completely scrapped the original plan and we are on to something totally different. So let me give you a high level contrast between these two plans. So plan A led 
to stability versus plan B, there was nothing but instability. I had a plan versus no plan. I was a member of a church for 10 years versus being a member of three churches in 10 years. And I'm currently dating one. I was teaching all the time in my church versus not being able to teach in any of the churches that I attend. I felt sure about what I was doing versus being clueless and full of questions every day I woke up. Everything about plan B felt transitory from my living situation to my job, to church, to school. Everything was in transition and it was extremely frustrating. In Philippians 4, Paul talks about how he learned to be content and he learned this contentment when he had need and when he was in prosperity. Now, the Greek word for contentment means satisfied with one's lot or one's portion. I wish when I said I'm content that I meant the same thing. For me, contentment is tainted. To be content when I have need implies a strong level of dissatisfaction with my lot with my situation, with my life. I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. That's my mentality. And to be content in prosperity has traditionally led me to complacency. Like I'm good. I don't seek more. I don't seek more of God and I don't require more of myself. So I had a little talk with Jesus. I told him all about my troubles and he actually did make it right. We walked through the different contrast between plan A and plan B. And he showed me who I was then versus who I am now, because he's always concerned about our character and not our career with what's going on in our hearts and not what we're holding in our hands. He showed me that I used to be guarded. Now I exercise discernment and wisdom as I approach people and situations. I didn't trust anyone. Now I trust him in his heart. And if he sends someone, I know he's already vetted that person. I used to cut off relationships. Now I disciple women and teach them how to disciple others. There's no greater relational investment in the spiritual realm than discipleship. I used to bury myself in work. Now I exercise emotional intelligence and I give myself what I need to show up as my best self. Plan B doesn't exist in God's economy. God is not as concerned about the destination as he is with the process. What I've considered as plan B has always been God's plan A. He just needed to ensure that all paths, every part of my process would lead me to the intended destination, which is a different heart posture, not a physical place. What I thought was plan A was really his preparation for the real plan A, which I thought was plan B. Goodness, do you see the mental gymnastics that happens in my mind? It's pretty scary up there. So I had to stop calling this plan, Plan B. But I couldn't stop calling it Plan B before I grieved the loss of the life that I thought I would have. I had to grieve the dreams and the desires that were specifically aligned to a place in my life that was temporary. A place that God intended to groom me for the next phase of his plan. I had to grieve the loss of my expectations. I had expectations, but God had and has a perfect plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 became my life verse. I picked it up during one of those detours. And many of you know it. 
and it says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. This became my life verse because of the context in which it was given. God told his children who were in the middle of captivity that he had a plan for them, that he wanted them to prosper, that his heart was not to harm them. That gave me hope and it still gives me hope. So goodbye to plan B and hello to wilderness wanderings of God's plan. A season in the wilderness looks different for each of us based on how we got there and how much we fight while we're there. I always think about the children of Israel and their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Whew, Jesus, I'll have another 40 years to spend in the wilderness. Okay, amen. Okay, so back to the children of Israel. Do you know that the journey that Israel set out to make should have only taken them 11 days? But guess what? Disobedience comes at a cost. Do you know what disobedience cost Israel? 39 years and 354 days. God expects a life of uncompromising obedience, not moments of obedience, but a lifestyle of obedience. Y'all, it should have taken them 11 days to reach their destination. So if you feel like you're traveling in a circle, you might want to check your obedience meter. God is serious about obedience and we should be as well. Here are my wilderness wandering revelations that I believe extend beyond me. First, we live undisciplined lives. God is seeking to get our attention and we have better things to do. Oh, we don't say that, but our actions absolutely show that. How many life minutes are we wasting on social media, binge watching, having idle conversations. The wilderness gets your attention and refocuses your affection on God like nothing else. Two, we have heart issues that must be addressed before exiting the wilderness. How can God show us the beauty of the future he has for us if he can't trust that we won't bless and curse with the same mouth? If he can't trust that we won't continue to operate in a spirit of unforgiveness? If we are always fearful quarreling and or complaining, we need a heart check. The wilderness checks our heart and ensures that it's not self-seeking. You die a million tiny deaths every day in the wilderness. Three, we learn to worship. And I'm not talking about singing. I'm talking about responding to the fresh revelations of Jesus with our entire being. Your confidence in God as your source grows because your attention, your affection, your attraction are limited. You grow in your hunger for the Lord and you long for greater intimacy with him. The wilderness shows us the multifaceted character and nature of God and we can do nothing else but worship this God. Four, we learn to surrender. Listen, your arms are too short to box a holy and mighty God. You will exert all of your energy and end up face down on the mat in a puddle of tears. Ask me how I know. There is a crushing that has to take place in the surrendering process in order for you to see what's inside of you. Go with me for a moment. I love a good wine. And in order to make the good wine that I love, the grapes are hand-selected and crushed to give up the juice. 
The wilderness brings an anointing out, but only when you surrender. Five, we are being pruned and prepared for newness we haven't previously experienced. A lot of times we want new and fresh things in our walk with Jesus and we want them now. But we don't want to consider the tearing down that must happen before something new comes. We don't want to think about the inconvenience of construction. It brings detours. It brings slow traffic. It brings reduced lanes. New costs you something. How can you sacrifice to the Lord that which costs you nothing? The wilderness is God's incubator for your growth. And it costs you something. So the wilderness is both hard and awesome. When you look at the tapestry that God has been weaving throughout your entire life, it helps you to believe that he really does have a plan. God designed plan A before you were born and has been working to get you in alignment with it, has been working to prepare you for it. And it doesn't matter where it falls chronologically in your story. Now, Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14 speaks volumes to my heart. Because I'm still in the flipping wilderness. (laughs) But I am keenly aware that this is God's plan A for me. So the passage says, when you call upon me and come and pray, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes. And will gather you from the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from where I have sent you into exile. I know that my life doesn't look anything like I thought it would, but I see glimpses of where God is going with it. And it really does excite me. One of my pastors, because you know I've had plenty, used to say, when you can't track his hand, trust his heart. And I'm still in the wilderness And I'm trusting his heart with every lap around this joint. So remember all those detours I had? When I look back over all of them, they had one thing in common. God was showing me what made my bones come to life. And it's teaching. I absolutely love curating and sharing knowledge that will ultimately impact souls for eternity. That's just what I do. And I didn't know that's what I did. I didn't know until I had all of those detours that God was showing me some commonality in the way that he was creating the detour. So it's time to do business with the Lord. How is your soul doing? Are you in the wilderness and grumbling because you don't think you belong or deserve to be there? Are you struggling to strive in a place of discomfort? If so, The Lord is ready to meet you right where you are and show you a greater perspective, but only if you let him. Well, that's it. And that's all. Until the next time, ladies, be good to you. Rewarding Encounters Authentic Life Real is a program of Encounter Ministries International, a 501c3 ministry that exists to disciple and empower ladies to walk boldly and confidently in who they are becoming in the Lord. It is our hope that as you listen, you were able to engage the heart of the Lord in a real and fresh way. He's always speaking and prayerfully you are ready or continuing to listen. Until the next time, keep it real, ladies.